Welcome to the GOGcast, the official podcast of North Wales-based GOG Triathlon, Welsh Super Series champions and wearers of the best kit in Wales. Join us while we chat swimming, running and cycling, and interview some famous and not-so-famous names in sport. Whether you're experienced or a beginner looking to try the sport, the GOGcast is the place to be. So get your padded cycling shorts on, tie those running shoes up tight, spit on your goggles to stop them steaming up, and join your host, John Farrell, inside the GOGcast. I always get excited when it does that. I can't believe you just tried to do ah, the I goats. did, I recorded it. That's what. That's where the goat noise comes from. It was me on a good day after a night out drinking. How are you, Michelle? I'm good, thanks, John. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Bonus episode. I know, right? I know, excited, excited. Not normally the day where we publish a year or... Uh, is it publish? Yeah, publish a podcast. Normally on the third Friday of every month, just so everybody remembers. But we're doing one... Of couple of weeks early because we have to split our last one up why did we have to split our last one up because michelle spoke a lot <laughs> too much she got carried away didn't you maybe so we thought we split this one up and uh, uh and what we're going to be doing in this one this is where you're interviewed because uh, well this is where last minute you asked or told me I needed to interview you. <laughs> told you? I wouldn't dream of telling you anything. <laughs> and I was not prepared and didn't have any questions, but we still managed to waffle on for a period of time. So it meant it was too big for one episode, so we've had to split them into two. Too big, too clever. Mm-hmm. We did. We should have been in Rome this weekend. I know. Rome Half Marathon was booked, wasn't it? It was booked for last year and the year before, wasn't it? Yeah. So we've been waiting three years. But because because we weren't sure whether it was going to go ahead and whether we could get a flight over and whether Italy were actually going to let us in, we didn't book any flights, did we? And it's no, going ahead. I know. We booked other races. Well, you've booked Anglesey Half. Very similar to Rome, but without the Colosseum and the... I think it's a bit hillier as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is a bit, <laughs> a bit colder. But it's nice. Yeah, you like, like Anglesey Half. Anglesey Half. I've done it twice before. Mm. I'll be marshalling. Uh, so for any of you gogs who are listening who plan to run, I'll uh, keep an eye out for you. You're about the halfway point, aren't you? Just up the hill on the uh, before you start coming back on ourselves. Yeah, 6.4 miles in is where you'll find me marshalling. Shouting at you to go the right way. To right, to left. <laughs> yeah, that. So, yeah, so I'm doing Anglesey Half. We'll tell you all about that on the next one, how that went. And um, it's also cross-country this weekend, if uh, any gogs are doing that, and I'm sure there'll be a few doing that. But, Michelle, you're doing something very different this weekend. Oh, well, not totally different. Being the fell runner that you are. Mm, yeah, I'm doing Dolgarog Pipe Dream on Saturday. Tell us a bit about Dolgarog Pipe Dream. Um, it's not a particularly long course, but it goes up very quickly up the steps in Dolgarog alongside the pipe, which are pretty brutal, to be fair. Um, then a little bit of a run at the top and then back down through the woods. It's a kind of let go, hope for the best and try not to fall type of descent. Um, but yeah, it's really good fun. And with it being my local village race, it's something I, I'm keen to support uh, because they also put money back into the community um what's left over which is a really nice gesture yeah that's good that's good it, it's, it takes place opposite what we used to be called surf snowdonia it's called adventure park snowdonia now isn't it uh, and the pipes are actually the pipes that bring the water down from the reservoir right down into the valley and eventually feed the what they create electric and then they also feed uh surf snowdonia adventure park snowdonia with the water with the big lagoon so it is quite a horrific climb <laughs> I don't envy you at all, uh, I'll be honest with you. I've done it once before, so I know what to expect. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. It's not much running up the hill, is there? No, not it's steps. lots of huffing and puffing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good luck with that. You have to tell us all about it next time. But uh, for now, should we get straight into the interview? Yeah, let's yeah. listen to you for a change. <coughs> okay, so now it comes to the point of the GOG cast. Uh, but, but wait, John, wait. 
that we get to talk about you, John. Yeah, get to talk about me. I know you're very excited about this I bit. Am. Yeah. So it is my turn to ask you some questions. Okay, ask away. All right then. So I'm going to start with going back a long, 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 long time ago to when you were a boy. And just invented I, fire. Is that the word? I haven't that, finished. Wait. I want to know, um, were you sporty as a child? I wasn't bad. I played for a few of the school teams. What did you play? In middle school, I played cricket. I played football. I played in goal. I was a goalkeeper. Given my ex- extraordinary height, <laughs> I went in goal. Actually, I started off as a centre forward, but uh, I went in goal one time and enjoyed it. And I, was, well, I found out I was quite good at it. So I, I started uh, playing in goal. I also, because my older brother played for Llandido Cricket Club, I also used to go along with him, so I got the odd game with the seconds, and I used to do nets with them. So I was, uh, I was a spin bowler, and and, and a, yeah, I was all right, I was okay. But then when I was quite young, I also trained to be a referee myself and my elder brother. We become referees, and I was the youngest referee in in North Wales at the time. I was only about fifteen, so I was refereeing Sunday league games, and went on to referee Saturday league games, and become. Over time, was a class two referee, so I was doing North Wales Coast games and some of the bigger games. So that in that in that time in, in middle school, I, I was I was quite sporty. When I went to senior senior school as such or comprehensive school, uh, I played for the school football team. I played for the school cricket team. Didn't play for the rugby team. Uh, I'd leave that to people like Paul Algieri, who were good at rugby and liked throwing themselves around and hurting people. Although I wasn't. I wasn't scared of that because playing in goal, I'd be, I'd happily throw myself at people's feet to get the ball, but I didn't want to be under a ruck or having people jumping on me, grabbing me and punching me. So, um, so I didn't take to rugby. I, I stayed with football. Uh, I said I played for the cricket team. Uh, I refereed as well. So I, I was, I was quite, quite sporty at the time. Did you run at all? Uh, I ran. The only time I ran is when I left the RAF. I was very sporty in uh, the RAF. I represented the RAF at Badminton, so I got me Badminton Blue. <laughs> I represented them at cricket, um, the, the not the RAF, but the um, the RAF station I was with. I, I played cricket all the time, um, captained the team there. I played in goal again. I refereed, um, so I was overall a sporty person. Then, when I left the RAF, obviously in you're in the forces, you you have to run because you have to do the the fitness tests. But I I took to running after I left. To get me out of the house because I was used to being out and about. You know, it was nice to get out of the house. Young children in the house. It was just nice to get a break from it. And that was actually in Llandidno. I used to run around Llandidno very much the same routes as I I run now. And uh, I think one of my first Strava posts was going back to the my old faithful route as such. Um, That's that ten k along. From the hospital yeah, towards... Yeah, through Ross and round yeah. and, and down onto the prom. And uh, that was my my old faithful Sunday evening run that was that I used to... That was my long run. That was the longest run. Uh, and I, I did a few 10Ks. And I ran in one of the slanted no 10 milers that they, they used to hold annually then. Don't know if they still do it now. But what year do you think that might have that been? That would have been... Like giving away your age or anything. It would but... have been in the 1900s. Um... <laughs> In the year of 1989, probably, I ran it with my, my younger brother. Uh, I, I got him to run it and, and I did it in 80 minutes, spot on. And I always I remember it vividly because running along the prom, it hailstone as I ran to the finish, just like it did at Nick Beer about three or four years ago. Oh, Hailstoned. yes, I remember that. Took me back to my youth. But then I... I moved to Leeds, joined the prison service, moved to Leeds, lived in the middle of Leeds, and it just wasn't the place to run. You know, it was quite dangerous to run, and also I was in a stressful job and uh, enjoyed a, a pint of John Smith's. So, going to the pub? I played came... cricket still. I, I, I represented the cricket team, and, and I even played in goal once for the, for the for the prison, even though I was a prison officer, let me point out. Uh, but I... I played a goal for the prison. We lost 4-0. Okay. I had four goals in the first half. My fault, two of them. So you were in goal? Never played again. 
<laughs> so not so again um the sport tailed off a little bit during those years when the children are young and you know very commi- much so. commitments to the family can Ch- get in the way chocolate john smith took over and wine okay so fast forward how many years then um because what, what i what i want to know is how you got into triathlon now what you got what changed triathlon. you from the John Smiths stood at the bar to giving all that up in your pajamas by nine o'clock on a Saturday night, ready for a race on Sunday morning. It was called meeting you. I played a lot of golf before, as you know. Haven't played since we met, but for, for it's not a real sport, is it? But it was, uh, and and obviously the social side of that as well was went with it. Um, so we played down the uh, Conway Valley. We played when used to go away a lot and play. Didn't do anything else. So we got together, obviously, and you decided to do to go cycling, and you roped me in. No, no, no. I said I'm buying. Sorry, this isn't about me, but I bought a bike, and um, you said it's not for me. I've got no balance. Uh, you can have to go by yourself. I love. couldn't think of anything worse than going on the road on a bike. So I was going by myself, and then only a few weeks later, you were looking for bikes online, and then you ordered one. But they look nice. And then you came with me. I Sorry. Came, I came. I actually borrowed a bike first. We went from the hub in Rill to Prostatin Nova. Oh, that mountain bike that changed gears bike, by yeah. itself. And it changed, yeah, changed gears by itself. And uh, every time I used to go up a hill, it just used to change a gear, and, and I could hardly pedal up the hill. The um, downside was, by the time I got back to the hub, I I could hardly move, and I think it was only something about it was about nine miles all in all. It wasn't, wasn't even it? that. It was <laughs> seemed it seemed like a long way, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought, you know what, I could, I could do this, and um, and then invested in my own bike, my um, my little. Um, it's your uh, specialised. Specialised, yeah. yeah. And to be honest, inside, I was really pleased that because it was the only thing we did separately. Well, obviously, I'd go to work and you'd go to work, but um, my free time was spent cycling, and we weren't doing that together. And anyone who knows us knows we're joined at the hip. Um, yeah, that's right. I, I and it was something nice I was do doing this. separate. So yeah, yeah, I was really yeah. pleased when you uh, decided I, you were able to ride a bike. Yeah, so so and I wouldn't say ride a bike. That is the wide sense of the word because I did fall off an awful lot. Um, I did, like you, I I couldn't unclip. Uh, uh, not you're worse than I am. You've fallen off so many times. I have, Remember uh, that time in Turkey on holiday? Yeah. The, the, for the benefit of the listener, we went to Turkey for a family holiday, and uh, it was about 2018, something like that. 17, 18. Yeah, probably. 18. And we we'd been cycling, hadn't we? We we'd done a bit of cycling, and while we were there, uh, we said to the kids, "Look, we we you step at the pool. We're going to go on a cycling day out, really." And they're on mountain bikes, weren't they? But we we. We wanted to do that. That was part of the arrangement that we were going to do all these different things while the kids uh, all play together. So we rented. Sorry, they are teenagers. They are, yeah. Allowed they, they to be three. by themselves. They're, they're like three. 17, 15 and 12. We, we didn't give them some stickle bricks and just lock them in the room and say, yeah, let's just play together. We'll be and back it was about three hours, four, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. They looked after themselves. Off we went on these bikes. But the problem I realised when we got on them was that A, in Europe, the brakes are on the wrong side. I don't mean they're on the back. They're just <laughs> on the wrong side of the bar. And uh, and B, I'd never ridden a bike with a disc brake before. So we had our full GOG kit on. So we were representing GOGs abroad, as we always do. And uh, our own helmets, how did we borrow helmets? No, we borrowed helmets. And off we went. Uh, and there was about six of us and we on the roads. And we met up with a big crowd of... Uh, from another hotel, didn't we? That they were cycling, and we were cycling along, and it was it was about thirty two degrees. It was so hot, uh, but we were cycling away along, and I knew we we were going to go off road at some point. Uh, and I was admiring the views on this dual carriageway, looking around. And when I looked forward, everybody had stopped to turn right off the road. So I pulled my brake, what I thought was my brake, um, but I pulled the wrong one. It was the front brake, and um, next thing I know, I was flying over the handlebars landed on my head and my shoulder in the middle of the dual carriageway with cars flying past. Took a fair bit of skin off my arm. Fortunately, I didn't break anything because in Turkey in hospitals would have been a nightmare. But everybody crowded around. They looked after me. Yeah, they made a little wall they to protect did, yeah, you from the traffic. the traffic. Until I'd recovered a bit. And then rather than going back, they said they'd take me back. I said, no, no, I'll carry on. 
But I realised that I'd taken all the skin off my arm and I've still got scars there now with it with the skin. But I realised as I was cycling along that it was so hot that my arm was bubbling. So this open wound was <laughs> was bubbling. So it was a horrific um, course. Getting back, we were going to go cycling again later in the holiday. But the hotel burnt down. <laughs> it went it on fire. I was thinking that maybe people thought maybe I did it because I didn't want to go on the bike again. But uh, yeah, the, um, the hotel caught fire. So uh, we could actually get to the bikes, could we? No, not that morning. But, so yeah, so I have fallen. I actually fell off one day cycling down with the girls down um, the valley. We were going down with some of the Gog ladies. Oh, by Zip World, we got to wasn't Zip it? World, and um, as they went in there, there was only myself and um, Sarah... Uh, was it Sarah Elwood? Sarah Elwood, it was, um, next to me, and I hit the curb and fell over, cut all my arm. Yeah, you're known uh, for it. But the problem is, a few days later, I had to go to the doctor's to get my flu jab, and I went in there to get it, and she saw this patch that I'd put on my arm, and said, what's that? I said, it's okay, I just fell off my bike, so let me have a look. So I let her have a look. She said, oh, for God's sake, I'm going to do something with that now. We were supposed to come for a jab. We were only supposed to be here 30 seconds. So she had to clean up all this big wound that I'd left on my arm. And um, and uh, and then she gave me an injection. I bled all over the place. So I was there for about half an hour in the end. So uh, I don't think I've been asked back since. So. Okay, moving on then. So um, that's how you got into cycling. So what got you into triathlon specifically then? Well, you'd done Couch to 5K. So I went out one evening with you and Lucy, our daughter, to go and do that 5K route. Uh, and I said, I can run 5K. I've done it before. Uh, I'm not unfit. Got to 3K and my legs seized that my calves just wouldn't move. And I think... You two had to probably help me back here again. We did. But I stuck at it and I realised again I was going too fast and trying to run too fast. So I stuck at it and stuck at it and then started enjoying the running. I think I followed you to Gogs in the end. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll come with you to Gogs then. All right, yeah. I can't remember if I said, come along, it's great. You probably did. Or probably you said, I want to come yeah. too. <laughs> Please don't leave me here by myself. Can I come? Yeah. So I go to Gogs again, meet all these wonderful people, um, get the idea of triathlon put into your head and of course you had to do it then you had to set set ourselves a target to do but I had been running I'd done Anglesey half uh, and I'd done Conway half as well so uh, I was I was getting quite yeah, a little bit fitter than I was so I was ready to do a triathlon but like you I had to get swimming again because I hadn't swam since I was a child apart in centre parks you know going in the waterfall in centre parks that doesn't count as swimming does it so at swimming again I didn't come naturally it was a horrible experience and it's still not my favorite part at all but we don't put enough hours in I'll tell you what it is if if I could swim in the lane by myself I'd be happy I'd go all day but I just don't like swimming with other people can we get an infinity pool then well I thought about that just dig a hole in the garden and put one in there it'd be worth the money but yeah, so either that or we just annoy everyone in the pool, so they go. So moving on then, so that's how you've got into triathlon. So tell me about your first triathlon. Nam, which try again, um, same as you did with the uh, the brine pool, and uh, found it really really tough. The bike was hard, the run was even harder. Really suffered. Realised I wasn't as fit as I thought I was, but the fact that we finished it was fantastic to get that first medal uh, for triathlon and. And I think Paul Algeria, mentioning Paul again, he, um, I heard him say a few weeks ago when we were talking that he thinks he's only got two or three years of triathlon left in him because of, of the effect that he, you know his sporting career, because he played a lot of rugby and that, has on his body. And, um, uh, and people say, well, why don't, you know, why don't you just go and run or ride your bike? And, and he'll say, well, because it's triathlon, isn't it? It's, it's the ultimate, that's the ultimate test is, is a triathlon. So... Why would he want to do anything else? You know, and he's right, really, that, that triathlon is the ultimate test, I think. We get used to it. But if you mention triathlon to a non-triathlete, they look at you in awe. They go, how on earth do you do that? And they're just talking about sprint triathlon. So when you mention things like standard or half Ironman or Ironman, they, they, have, they cannot comprehend that anybody could be as fit as that. And that's quite a nice feeling when, and, you know, you're, People you know go, oh my God, you do that. That's, yeah, it's, quite a, it's quite a nice feeling. Because that's the direction you're heading in now, isn't it? So you want to go longer. 
yeah, I want I want to go longer. Uh, I want to try going longer again. I have done middle distance. I have done seventy point three a few years ago. You and Steph Conway. We did Staffordshire seventy point three and Ironman seventy point three, which was a fantastic occasion. Uh, I'll always remember it for many reasons in my life. It, it's a strange triathlon, Stafford seventy point three, because it's uh, a split transition. So. You go where you swim, you have your bike, and then you cycle down to Stafford and you run around Stafford. So you've got two transitions there, which make it really difficult to, to set up. You have to go there the day before. And, and I remember going there the day before and it was lashing it down with rain and uh, really excited and all these people around and Ironman branded. And it's quite an experience for an Ironman branded event. Give them the due. You pay a lot of money for them, but they are worth it. They, they really pull, pull everything out you know, to give you a good day. I remember going to the two different transitions, dropping the bags off, dropping the bike off, getting ready, going to our accommodation, only to find that they'd double booked our room. I forgot about that, yeah. And we're ready for a, my the biggest race of my life the next day. And and it was your birthday. And it was my birthday. 9th of June. 9th of yeah. June was my birthday. And they didn't have a room for us. We had a big fallout with them over it, and they they offered us all sorts of things. And they fact, offered up as a cupboard. They said they, they just said need to cupboard. move the paint out of it. Oh yeah, but it would have been somewhere to stay. Uh, in the end, they sent us. They asked us to leave. <laughs> they actually gave us more money that we'd paid for it to to leave, didn't they? And sent us on our way to this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, where when we got and you know we should have known that the day wasn't going to go great when that happened. It was a it was a sign because when we got to the the farm, we got attacked by this mad Labrador, if you yeah, remember, this I big do. black Labrador. <laughs> it jumped everybody, made us filthy. It had no, the owner had no control. Absolutely uh, no control. The weather was awful. It was a, it was a lovely little farmhouse, little room. It was, it was okay, wasn't it? It was, it was, we went out for um, a meal with Steph and the family. They cooked meal for us in the evening, went back. Then we had to make our way to the lake in the morning. And by the time we got to the lake, the sun was shining beautiful it was pretty perfect conditions was for you in the end wasn't perfect. it so all the drama the day before and actual just, race day no. everything and i was there oh no not everything i was smoothly. there so i was happy because my nerves had gone because i was at the venue we go in there's um, lucy charles's bike she's she's taking part in it a few of the, the the big riders there as well um so we get into our wet wetsuit and we we get everything ready and then uh decide to pop to the loo, the queue for the loo. And at that moment, they start playing the national anthem and uh, Thunderstruck. ACDC, is it? Yeah. Thunderstruck. And it's the Ironman anthem over, over in Britain. And it's, uh, it's an incredible sound, isn't it? I think it's, you know, it really gives you the motivation to do it. It's just, everyone knows it. I think at the end of this podcast, let's just put a little put snippet of that stick. just to get those goosebumps going. That's a good going. idea, that. That's a good <laughs> idea. They might ask me for PRS, but there we go. So we heard that and we thought, this is it. In our wetsuits, ready to go in the water. Unfortunately, we were stuck there for about another hour or so. There was that many going into the water. It took so long. It was red hot. So by the time we got there, we were knackered getting into the water. So not the best of swimmers, either of us really, um, but we knew we could do it. So into the water, swimming along. Where it wasn't really a washing machine because um, there was so many people there and we were going in in little waves all the time. So so we were swimming along, swimming along, 1,900 metres. Uh, and I, I was aware that there were people around me and it was, it was quite nice. It was a nice swim, doing really well. Then I realised it was getting quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. Then I thought, where is everyone? So I stopped and looked up, and I was about 100 metres off course. I'd swam from the last boy right out into the middle of the lake, and there was all these swimmers in a line about 100 metres away, swimming the right way. I thought, oh, for God's sake. So I had to swim all the way back to the line, and then all the way around, got out the water, got given my glasses, because I wear glasses as well, of course, Got given my glasses by somebody, was it yourself or uh, Marshall or someone gave me my glasses. Ran to transition. It's a long way to transition. You go into the changing room, so you change into your bike gear and change your room. So wetsuit off, um, shoes on, everything. Got my, took my normal glasses off, put my sports glasses on with my inserts in, because my prescription inserts. 
run out, get my bike, run out of transition, jump on my bike, turn my computer on, and really I can't really see my computer. It's all blurry. I thought I've got wet glasses or something. I realised after about two miles, my inserts had fallen out on my glasses in changing room somewhere. So I had to I had to cycle 56 miles without any inserts. And it wasn't, I mean, to be fair, it was a very technical Incredibly bike. technical course. At one point, we were going down these back roads, down hills, and it was like a graveyard for bikes. There was water bottles, there was lamps, there was people. bits of bike, there was people. There was one guy walking up um, towards me with his uh, TT bike split in half. Um, there was people there sobbing at the side of the road with with broken wheels on these lovely bikes and uh, and it was mad and it was 56 miles but it got nicer it got into the country got to about 50 miles I was feeling great all of a sudden I just felt as though I'd bonked well I was tracking you um so I could see where you were I could see where Steph was both making good progress really strong I, I thought that's you're having a good time out there and then Steph was slowly, well, maybe quickly, but on the tracker, catching you. And then she went past you. And at that point, I became quite concerned. I thought, something's not right. She went past me with a friendly wave and, hi, John, and left me on the side of the road. But there we go. What had happened is, after about 50 miles, I could hardly turn the pedals over on my bike and I was sure that I had a puncture. But your wheel, your tyre wasn't flat. The tyre wasn't flat. And I, so I just what was couldn't it? work out what was going on. It was one of these Neil Vicar Harris flat courses, which meant <laughs> it was incredibly rolling. I was up and down. And by the time I got to about 53 miles, I got back off my bike again to check it all over again. But I couldn't see because I did have my glasses on, did I? I did have my inserts. So I couldn't really see what was going on. So I was wiggling wheels and things like this. And... Just, it was so frustrating and that's when Steph come, come by me waving and in all fairness I said I'm fine I've just got to, I've got, got mechanical I'll be, I'll be fine got back on the bike got to transition jumped off my bike at transition went to wheel it forward and I nearly went over the handlebars again the bike wouldn't move and I couldn't still couldn't understand what was going on so I picked my bike up ran into transition with it because I did have my glasses on, I couldn't find my number to put my bike on, onto the frame in transition. So I was running around with this bike on my shoulder, asking the marshal, where, where does it go? Where's this number? Where's it? They're over there. It's over there. Oh, so I ran over. I thought, oh, sod it. And I just dumped my bike on this Which railing. Which was something you should never do. Which is something you should never do and you get disqualified. Got in, got changed, did the run. Horrible, horrible run because my legs it was were a, shot. It was a tough 13.1 miles. Um, but the experience, I was really emotional at the end because it was, oh, I've done it. But I was so tired, my, my legs had gone. And it, it spoiled it somewhat. But I realised when I got back to my bike, A, when I found my bike, it wasn't even in the transition area. It was on um, one of the fences. <laughs> so it was actually sticking out over one of the paths. Uh, but I hadn't been disqualified. So I had my normal glasses on. I checked. And what had happened is my back brakes had seized up all I'd needed to do was to release the brakes. You know, you could have a quick release from them. But they'd seized up and they'd worn right down. So it was more or less metal on metal. But that's why the bike wasn't moving. It's because I couldn't turn the pedals because the brakes were full on. Uh, so it was a, it was an emotional day. It was. It but, was... you know, to to do it and to do it with Steph, it was just fantastic. It was a, uh, an incredible experience. And I think you can do 70.3s, but I think if you get the chance to do a, an Ironman 70.3, it's just something really, really special, you know, something very, very different. So, yeah, so going longer, going longer after the after the Ironman, I, I, I swore I wouldn't do another triathlon. And you've entered the uh, half Ironman distance, uh, 70.3, the Shropshire one, haven't you? I have, in yeah, June. because I want to put it right. I want to put it right. I want to do a good job of it and, uh, and, uh, and do it well. So just to prove to myself I can do it well. That will probably be the longest distance I do mm. in triathlon because I don't, I'm not sure I'm ready for an Ironman. Because you, um, you did the fire lighter. I did. I, th I wanted to do something different after lockdown and after I was running. I want. I, I felt as though I was losing speed on the roads and five k's and ten k's, and I just wanted to run without worrying about time. 
and there's something really refreshing about there that. is we'd started doing the trails we started running the trails in snowdonia and, and we we found it beautiful and uh, some days we were the only people on the mountains it seemed running the trails and and i thought you know what this this is a life with with trail running you don't run against the clock you run you stop you take a picture you look at the wildlife you you take it all in you, you walk up the hills that's a life for me. It's very mindful, isn't it? it? You're is. in the moment. It's and Just an incredible experience. And uh, you can get places and see things that you wouldn't see on, on a road race. For instance, on Nick Beer running around the Orm, I don't remember looking over the wall and seeing the fantastic view that you can see on the way down. I was just focused on the road in front of me. Because I asked you if you saw that goat up on the left side <laughs> and Celia Free, um, she took a picture of it. And uh, I said, oh, do you see that goat on the side, the kid? And you were like, no, because obviously you're so focused, so focused on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but trail running is very different. You take in. You just take it all in. And you stop. You can stop and have a three course meal if you wanted to. There's no timings. There's, there's nothing. It's just I, I fell in love with it, and uh, so I thought, what better? And of course, I've done Better Coid Ultra, and we'd been out running with um, an ultra it's uh, a trail. Better Coid Ten <laughs> K Trail. Yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed that, and then uh, we'd done a few runs with the ladies from Gogs and with friends and that. And then we'd been out with um, Robin and uh, Emma. They were great, those winter trail runs right. that we, we did yeah. prior to, to COVID. Yeah, just they took us in a few different areas and it was great. And I thoroughly enjoyed them. And, it was lovely. and of course, Robin knows everything there is to know about birds and the environment and things like that, you know, and it's just a lovely experience. So I thought, do you know what? That's what I want to do. So, what better way of doing it than do an ultra? Just for everyone knows that there's a, a a three-day ultra that goes around Anglesey up in North Wales called the Ring of Fire. And the first part of the Ring of Fire is a 57k ultra that takes you from uh, Hollyhead over to Amlock, I can't remember, over towards Amlock, yeah, it's Amlock into the down centre there, along the cliffs. And it's uh, very, very hilly, but beautiful, beautiful terrain. And it's, uh, it's another one of these iconic races. So I, I entered that and uh, started training for that. And the training for it, I really, really enjoyed because it was it was mindful running. It, it was, uh, I followed what they call the Maffetone method, which was trying to keep your heart rate down so you never went into the red so you could run further. Uh, I started doing that. It suited me down to the ground. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my running. I wasn't getting injured because I wasn't putting the stress on me. And, and I was seeing more. I was going out for longer running more miles and, and really, really enjoying it. I realised during that time that I wanted to do something that really tested me, that I'd done Chester Marathon and hadn't really liked it that much because it was on the road, uh, but I'd done it and, and finished it and I was, I was happy with that. But I wanted to do something that really, really tested me to the point where I'd go... I want to stop now and I'd have to talk myself out of it. Uh, I wanted to put myself right to the edge of, of what I could achieve. And I thought the Ultra Defy Lighter would do that. And it did, to a point it did. Because I got to a point in it after around about 30k where we'd organised uh, a crew for the second uh, station, feed station. Uh, I'd run the first bit too hard because it's quite flat, the first 10k. I'd met a few people and we were chatting and, and just gone out too hard. By the time I got to the second feed station, I'd been on beaches and things like that. Tired, needed to eat, just couldn't eat. I'd had my favourite jam butties there waiting. I'd been looking forward to getting them. And I felt at that point I couldn't step further more after about 30k. It was just... A terrible feeling and, our, and the, our friends who were crewing said to you oh john's done i, you know, I think he's going to give up and you know in my mind i was never going to give up but between there and the next 5k something really happened it wasn't a moment of of you know sun didn't shine and go oh anything like that it was i i had to say to myself you can do this because on the way to the power station where the wilver, uh, the wilver where you were waiting at the next feed station I thought the easiest thing I could do here would be to say, I've hurt my knee. And nobody would care. They'd, and Michelle would go, 
no, that, that's, if you can't do it, don't do it. You know, don't hurt yourself. Finish here. Well, there's no, no, no hurting that. And I thought, yeah, I'll do that. I can do that if I get there. I just DNF. Nobody will care. And then I realised I had to get to the to the power station to start with somehow because I couldn't just walk to the car in the middle of the on a cliff. And secondly, I thought, oh God, they've given us our T-shirts already with the Firelighter Ultra on it. And if I don't finish, I can't wear my T-shirt. So I'm going to have to finish, otherwise it's going to be really embarrassing. That T-shirt will never be worn, it'll be in the wardrobe. And people will be saying to me, how did he get on the Ultra? Uh, and I'd have to say, oh, dear, I had a bad knee, I had a bad knee, bad ankle. And I thought, I can't do that, I can't do that. And then slowly it came to me, I thought, do you know what? I can do this, I've, I've mentally prepared myself for this. This was the, the moment that I was saying to myself in trading that you wanted not to get to where you couldn't go any further but to to be able to say to yourself I'm done and then still carry on after it and I I reached that point it was great and I started running and and what happened was I was running with a few few girls (laughs) yeah this is what happened (laughs) you found three friends and then after the feed station they went on ahead they went on ahead before me because I was trying to recover but I was also always keen that there was going to be a... It was timed. Obviously, there was this timeouts. And uh, I'd lost them. And when I went to the top of the, the hill after the feed station, I could see them right in the distance running. And I thought, I'm never going to be able to catch up with them now. I'm by myself. And this is when all these thoughts are going through my head. Uh, I'm never going to catch up with them. So I started running because I was walking. I started running. I thought, if I, I start running, I can carry... It, it's actually easier to run than it is to walk because it's less painful. So I started running towards them and they were right down the bottom of the other end of the field and they disappeared from view. And I thought, oh, I don't even know where I'm going. I, I haven't wrecked the course. I'm rubbish at map reading. I, I, this is going to be a nightmare. But as I got near the end of the field, they came round the corner. They'd gone the wrong way, these four girls from a way that I'd been running with earlier. And so I ran next to them for about a few hundred metres. And then I, I said to them, you don't mind if I run with you, do you? Because I, I feel as though I'm a bit sort of attached myself. And no, no, absolutely, you know, can run with us. So they, uh, I ran with them and we got to the power station. And then uh, after that, we left together. They said, you're staying with us now. Make sure you stay with us. Uh, we're not going to lose you. Uh, and so there's myself and the, the four girls that were that running along. Uh, and they kept me going. And they had a, they had a crew every now and then where they give them uh, some flat coke and things like this and uh, salt tablets and they had food and then it started getting dark and then I realised my torch was rubbish I couldn't couldn't see my hand never mind anything else but what I did realise was that the girls had really good torches so they ran in front of me but they were fantastic they you had to go up a hill and get a book and they were ripping pages out for me getting me pages for me and uh, and as it was when we finished we finished together and uh, it, it was well within the time and it was fantastic. Seeing you run in with those girls, the elation on your faces, the bond you'd created during that experience was priceless. You know me running with girls. I'd been so worried that you didn't know where you were going um, and how tired you were when I saw you. The man that I left at that checkpoint was so different to the man I saw running in on that finish line. Um, immensely proud of what you achieved. And you with those four girls running in was a moment I won't forget. And it wasn't even my race, but it was something quite special. Yeah, they were. They, they were. Of course, they were going to do the Ring of Fire. And um, unfortunately, they dropped out after day two. They didn't make the time uh, on day two. Uh, but I know they're going to try and do it this year because they were doing it for charity. They're going to try and do it again this year. Um, for them to get up on that second day and attempt to put right. one foot in front yeah. of the other. I know one of the girls called Karen, Karen Cox. Um, I, I, for life, I can't remember the other girls' names, but they, yeah, they got me through it. Um, but I think everybody should, everybody's got an ultra in them. And I think everybody should experience an ultra. I know two of the Gog ladies uh, did, also did the same ultra. Michelle Linfield Michelle and, and Shez Stewart and Shez. did the same one they and they, they completed, they finished it. Um, they completed you know, the course. And, and you know, um, 
kudos to them for doing it because they'll know how difficult it was. And I know, I know that that Shaz has, has, and Michelle have written little blogs to explain uh, how difficult it was for them. But when I was on that finish line waiting for people to come in, the word that was used. What do you think the word that was used most often was? They don't like it up in Mr. Mannering. No, that's a phrase, not a oh, word. The word that people were using was brutal. Yeah. yeah so as the runners came in, experienced, seasoned ultra runners who've done many races, they all came in and said, that was brutal. It was brutal. The up and down. And I'm rubbish at going downhill. Uh, I'm rubbish at going uphill. <laughs> but I never thought that I'd be in a, in a, on a run where it was easier to run than it was to walk because walking was painful. Running was a lot more pleasant. But it was an experience, and I, and, and I say to anybody doing ultra, I want to go further now. Um, we're gonna. You've got your sights set on the lap. We've as got well. a sign on the lap, and yeah. I'd like to do. I'd like to go further. I'd like to do the the fifty milers and the hundred miler just to test myself because I think you need to test yourself. Everybody needs to test themselves. I think, uh, and if anybody wants to do the firelight, to do it because it's absolutely beautiful. The I can't tell you what's beyond the cliffs because I spend most of the time looking at the floor. Yes, I fell, but um, a beautiful, well-run ultra. Well mm. done to them. Well, it's really interesting to hear about that experience. So thank you for sharing oh, my that. Pleasure. Um, what I would like to bring this chat round to, if I may, is um, your coaching experience. So you are, well, as of today, you've submitted your final bits of work for your level two coaching qualification. So you're pretty much there with being signed off as um a level two coach yeah so hopefully tell me by today yeah. when did you become a level one coach then and what what made you decide to go down that path I think it was about three years ago it was before covid because we were doing it um three of us did it wayne and paula did it with me uh, over in mold <coughs> and i think all three of us wanted to give something back to gogs i think when you join gogs th- there were so many great coaches there so many people that Gave us so much of the time. People like Ashley, Ash, yeah. um, uh, Stu, Andy Williams, who's no longer, you know, he's not living around here anymore. And you've got, then you've got people like Rocky and Rianne. And there's too many to mention. You could go on so with Geran, Angie. So many. Yeah. yeah, Angie, Rory, all these people that are you know, great coaches and they, they give the time time up to come and to help people out and to be better runners. And uh, and uh, and I wanted to give that back. And I know it sounds, you know, a bit corny that, but... But I did want to give something back to them and, and I wanted to learn more about running in particular because since since I started running and looking into doing ultras, of course, I I qualified as a sports nutritional coach. Then I, I, I did my precision nutrition, nutritional qualifications because I wanted to know more about eating and, and fueling during exercise. And, and so becoming a, a coach led me into that as well. But yeah, it was very much wanted to give something back. And I love coaching. I love it. I love the the technical side to coaching. I love seeing people learn. I love seeing people learn how to do things. I, I love to learn myself. I, I think I think you, you don't do it when you're younger all the time. But as you get older, you want to learn more about things. And um, I'm very much, if I do something, I want to learn more and more and more. You know, I've always got a book open about running or nutrition or, or something like that or swimming. Yeah, and I mean, I see that from obviously living in the same house as you. Um, you're keen to learn. I mean, you, you're doing a degree at the moment in, in environmental, environmental science. science as well, yeah. um, a little fact that people, you know, may not realise that about you. But yeah, I see you are keen to learn and take all that information on board. And I'd also say your enthusiasm for coaching comes across. You know, you coach me on a Thursday yeah, when I attend yeah. the sessions, and they're good sessions. You're I interested so. and put so much into them. Um, and I think as, as athletes, you know, we we get the benefit of that. I, th- I think if you if you want to be a good coach, you want to be thought of as a good coach. I think you need to do the background work. I think you need to have an interest in it. I'm not a great swimmer, but I love the swimming technique. I love teaching swimming and and, and coaching swimming and, and learning more and more about it. Uh, I'm a, I'm a reasonable runner, but I love to learn about running technique and the science of you running. You do like the science behind like it. I yeah, do, yeah, yeah that's that. not my strength. So, but yeah. so you know, I, I love stuff like that. And I'd like to go on with qualifications, you know. And level two's given me the chance to 
to be able to write my own sessions and, and to do that and to take bigger classes and, and do more things. And it's uh, great that the club have invested in us. I mean, I'm a level one coach, yeah. a new level one coach, yeah. and you've been put through your level one and level two because of the club. Absolutely. Absolutely. If it wasn't for the club, I would never have done it. Uh, you know, they funded it. They, they they got the places for us, you know. So it's lovely to see a club that are willing to invest, I suppose, in the, in the members. You know, we pay £20 a year. Yeah, you know, my, my level two coaches course costs hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds, you know, and uh, and they're, they're willing to do that. And they're willing to do that for anybody, you know, shows a willingness to do that. And there's an opportunity, I think, for activators to... Activators to do activators course and then to move up to be coaches like yourself did, uh, you know, to become a coach. And, and uh, activators essentially assist the coaches at the session. And we couldn't do without them a lot of the time. They're, they're fantastic. That they really are, and uh, you know, people say, "Oh, they're only an activator." No, but they no are. Some of these, some of these activators are as good as, if not better than their coach. You, yeah, you, know, you can't name names, but, no, but uh, they're, 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 you know, it's it's just, and we, you know, we have a core of coaches, of brilliant coaches, you know, and and I think that's uh, speaking to Rocky the other week that you know he's very proud of that. But it's that willing to willingness to invest in a club because because. They want to learn more about... And it uh, makes the club a better club. It does, yeah. And, and that's what makes a club. So, you know, if any of the members there want to do that, then they should put the name forward when, they, when the chances yeah. come up. You know. put a, pop a message to Freehan if you're interested. Absolutely. And as and when opportunities come up for activators um, to go on the course or yeah. in the future, there'll be other coaching There's opportunities. always courses coming up of one sort or another and they're all, always willing to to back you and uh, as I said you know it's opened my eyes and it's you know and if uh, anyone wants to have a chat with you or, or myself or anybody about what it absolutely. entails just approach yeah. us and, and then you know I, I always leave myself open as the, the other coaches that if they if people want to know information it's not just at the at the club sessions you know we're always available for them even email us or, or messages you know we'll always give them give them advice on what to do whether that be nutritional advice whether it be session advice whether it be training advice we're always willing to do that it's, it's not just limited to when we're taking the sessions the club are so good at that it, it's you know and I, um, I'm, I'm really thankful that they give me uh, the opportunity to do that you know I, I really am Oh, a little bit of ACDC. I, I, I sound like a radio DJ now. A bit of ACDC Thunderstruck. Now, that does bring my 70.3 uh, uh, back to my mind. Love that. Love that. So, did you enjoy being interviewed then, John? Do you know me? I always enjoy talking. If I can talk all day, I'll be quite happy to talk all day. So, uh, yeah, but, but well done. Well done, you. Well, your interviewing skills. Well, next time, if you plan on asking me to be the interviewer, just let me know in advance and uh, I can prepare some questions. But we got through. We survived. We did. We did. But it was good. Good. Thank you. Do you know what else we need to do? I know. I know. It's come back to haunt me, doesn't it? Yeah, Rocky's clock. You can't make other people do it and not do it yourself. So I have got some questions here. Have you? Yes. All right, then. So we're going to go into Rocky's clock, are we? We are. Here we go. Rocky's clock, Rocky's clock, can you beat Rocky's clock? Question one. If you could be an animal, what would it be? Oh, uh, a lion. What is your favourite type of running? Uh, a trail. What scares you? You. Who is your favourite triathlete? Lucy Charles or Taylor Spivey. What is your best feature? Oh, my personality. Did you have a nickname as a child? I didn't, no really. No, I didn't. If you could live anywhere, John Farrell, where yeah. would it be? Um, somewhere nice and warm, Spain or something like that. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, enjoy life and do what my older self did later in the year. <laughs> uh, which was your favourite race? Um, the Grand National in 1977 <laughs> when Red Rum... Not you're not talking about that one, are you? You're gonna run out of time. Uh, it has to be the Firelighter Ultra. And what's the first thing you notice about someone you meet? Uh, the the burn actually. If it's a girl. Rocky's clock, Rocky's clock. You didn't beat Rocky's clock. <laughs> <laughs> Cool as a cucumber, answered your questions. Don't get told off for the last answer. Uh, 
well actually the bit when the one i said what scares you and you said me <laughs> i was expecting spiders <laughs> oh yeah spiders as well they, they scare me as well lots yeah. of things scare me yeah the only one question i missed out was um who inspires you who inspires me you inspire oh. me darling no don't be soppy people will turn off so um yeah you did very well on the rocky's clock thank you very um, much so next time we have a proper podcast not saying yours wasn't a proper podcast but where uh, you're going to interview somebody who's achieved a great deal tell us a little bit about that i cannot wait having interviewed him and got it in the can uh, and just needs a bit of editing uh, i spent an hour and 40 minutes with him talking uh, mark dodgson uh, our decker iron man athlete amongst other things uh, amongst uh, brutal uh, brutal uh, events triple brutal winner uh, it was just brilliant there were just so many things i cannot wait to hear it again uh, and, and edit it uh, and i know just tell everyone out there it's it's one not to be missed at this because there's, there's so many things he tells us about there's so many events that i never knew about and the way he deals with them is just fantastic and you know what he's a lovely lovely guy as well a uh, really interesting guy, and I could have spoken to him for hours and hours and hours. Aww. So um, so that's out two weeks' time. And at the beginning of that one, we will go through um, some of the responses we had about dealing with nerves, which was on the back of the interview uh, that jo I, I was the interviewed by John uh, in the last podcast. So we haven't forgotten about that. It's, that's going to be at the beginning of the next one yeah um, we had a few we had a few replies about that some really some good things. suggestions yeah, as yeah. well so i think they're worth sharing with everybody yeah and if you you know if you still want to share you want to uh, comment on that the post is still there comment on there quite happily we'd love to hear your stories how you how you deal with uh, a bit of pre-race stress a bit of uh, a bit of nerves yeah so. so i think that's it for this one john it is i enjoyed this one because obviously because i've been talking a lot so, star uh, of the show star of the show as always but that's me done now so we're going to get uh, stuck in with some of the other members as well during the year now I know lots of things coming up um, I know uh, Kerry's got some big races coming up I know Neil's got big races coming up I've still got Tim Lloyd to interview from Always Aim High as well so some great interviews coming up um, so just keep an eye on the site see when they're all coming up so is that it? that's it all John we can? yep that'll do shall we go for a run? No. No, we're both knackered. <laughs>